Okay, so next topic, music. So you posted some mm. hot takes on music, which I was very fascinated by. So you said gay music used to be popular with gay men incidentally, secretly uncovered emotions of grandiosity in camp. And now every C minus woman to ever exist is doing gay music. No one likes it. Please stop immediately. And I asked you to explain. And you said, what was it? If I were to extrapolate, I would say that the 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 tibs of lip lock libs of TikTok is a thinly veiled moral panic attack. And if they had any sense of art or culture, they would realize straight women and now exclusively are now exclusively pandering to gay men and stands through the use of an exciting 90s pastiche. Um, virtually all commercial pop music from the last two years is trying and failing to evoke ballroom culture. I'm not going to say the other word because it's going to get me canceled. Um, sipping tea, whereas Drake got it right with his performance of Machismo, its female contemporaries appear soulless and empty. I think it's dangerous. This is a very smoking hot take. There's a lot Thank to you. go down here. So yeah. <laughs> Where do I begin? Um I don't quite know where this spiraled out of like what corner <laughs> of like the well you posted industry. a megan the stallion video oh no that yeah but i mean this has been going on for about yeah. a year and a half now yeah. um and it was kind of cool like mm -hmm. 10 years ago when azealia banks was doing this because she was doing ballroom music like she did like fierce like these old house beats like 1994 and stuff like i don't know she had like a <clears throat> like a very strong ear for like the gay sensibility. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of exciting to see someone do that in the contemporary medium of hip hop music. So that was fun. That was 10 years ago. And now it's been commercialized by everyone. And mm -hmm. despite the fact that I don't think anyone really likes it, like I don't really think anyone like truly loves the new Beyonce album. We have her doing like, demonic pazuzu possessing jiggly caliente like doing um a vogue mc on the runway like it's insane and none of them were like selling it like if you're gonna be like a vogue mc you have to really like know what you're doing it's hard work it takes a certain kind of um tenor and none of these girls have it and they're like they're like god like <laughs> beyonce on this one song she goes eat it, eat it, eat it. Mmm, yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> I'm like, that is not what this is about. Like, you're <laughs> fucking up. And then it's like Megan the horse going like <laughs> her, her, her. <laughs> like, it's so fucked up. I don't think anyone likes it, but um, gay stuff has always been cool on the out fringe and the most like, you know, trendy like furthest like strand of your friend group will like know about the ins and outs of it um but with like the presence of the internet anyone can find out about voguing and watch paris is burning on netflix mm -hmm. now so it's all on drag race as well so basically anyone can just um see what made gay art cool 40 years ago and then do it in their shitty music videos and it all just smells like crap <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, so I have this thing where I don't listen to Beyonce albums until like much later because everyone's like, Great idea. Oh, you, yeah, everyone's like, oh, did you listen to it? And I, and like, I can't be one of the crowd. So I'm like, no, of course I didn't listen to it. Mm -hmm. But then in like two months I will, and then I'll have a hot take. 
Um, but why do you think she went in this direction at this point in her career? Do you think she's Beyonce? just desperate? Yeah, like I think she's just desperate because she's done. I mean, she is say. done. No, she yeah, killed like, her career. I love, I've always that. loved her. Like I naturally always loved her, but I think she's done. I she's mean, that that Lemonade album was, you know, her Ophelia record. It should have ended with her like drowning in a lake, not not <laughs> literally, but artistically. Like she should have yeah. drowned in a river surrounded by lilies or something. <laughs> like yeah. that would have been a fitting end to the career. But then she did that, oh, that wretched collab album with her husband. Yeah. It was just apocalyptic. And <laughs> Now she's like, I'm free. I'm liberated. I'm going to have a fun time after COVID. And, you know, there's a million think pieces about it being the most like innovative piece of like black art, like synthesizing like all of this culture. And I'm like, oh my God, it's her being, can I, can I say slurs on this show? Uh, which one? It's, it rhymes with Haggett. Uh, that one, I don't care. Okay, great. Racist well, it's just her being a fucking faggot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you think I was going to call her the N-word? I just, yeah, because you never know. <laughs> no, I was going to say she's being a faggot. Like, she's yeah, just like, trying to fag out. Accurate. It's, yeah. It's, mm. I don't know if it's because she's desperate or just because um somebody up in the music label circuit mm-hmm. is very mistaken in thinking that it's cool to do this on a big pop record. They're, I don't know where it comes from. I wish yeah. I knew. Yeah, I mean, my thing, look, like I, you know, I grew up with her, Destiny's Children, and Dangerously in Love, whatever. Um, I think she played too much into the whole like feminist girl power. Yeah. She didn't do it in an ironic way. It was too serious, too self-serious. And I think people lost interest in that after a while. Um, Like, and I always get in arguments with people when they compare her to Rihanna and say like, oh, Rihanna's better. And I'm like, you know what? Rihanna's not a talented person. She can't sing. Like she's been mass produced. At least Beyonce is a singer and a dancer and has some original like thought, creative thought. Rihanna is a great model. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, she's it. good producers. I think she's mm-hmm. good producers, but no, like, but there's something to say about the fact that people are more interested in Rihanna nowadays because, again, Rihanna doesn't have this sincere social whatever consciousness. She's like totally pagan, <clears throat> decadent, whatever, mm-hmm. and that like people just lose interest in this whole like social justice girl boss whatever. Like, it got old, and it's too bad that Beyonce like role like made that the kind of crux of her career when she had so many other things going for her so yeah i mean i think she and all her handlers know it's over so they're like well what is the only way we can drop an album and make it relevant you know go into this classic queer kind of sound because those are the people who go crazy over her but also there's this kind of social you know the whole black historical kind of sound people can comment on how she's making a black power statement you know i mean yeah it's exactly that and the 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 thing that is so funny to me about this is that this hasn't been cool to do this for six years because do you know who did this six years ago katie perry on witness really yeah, she has a song I don't called Pay Attention to Her, honestly. That's all right. I mean, you should because she's a disaster. It's kind of fun <laughs> to watch a tornado, but she has a song called Swish Swish. Oh, okay. 
it has the same what Robin S sample that is on that fucking Beyonce song six years ago. Okay, like mm-hmm. obviously we don't need it if Katy Perry was doing it when she was flopping. Like, come on, yeah. let's come up with something else. And when I say that, I don't want any more people to do like the Bjork like. I'm so sad. I'm wearing stripper heels and there's black stuff coming out of my mouth. Like, oh my God, art. We need to go somewhere new. And the only person who's doing anything interesting or new is Nakata Yasutaka, the Japanese producer behind mm. Kari Pamu Pamu and Perfume. Thank you. Interesting. So we got to <laughs> move over to Japan to find something innovative. Huh. But no, I'm, I want to ask you about the other, the end of this tweet thread why mm. did you mention drake what do you see in drake oh well drake did this actually i should have mentioned that Katy perry was maybe the first to do it but drake did a his album scorpion is covered with faggot music it's yeah, all over the house. place big frida um like beyonce put big frida in a way i found yeah. kind of embarrassing <laughs> and like sort of like she was like she was like oh my god look at the world's biggest swine at like the freak show like when she put like big frida in the um formation video yeah. Yeah. And i was like it seemed very exploitive but the way that big frida appears in that um drake scorpion album oh i was like oh this is interesting it's like cool that like this is being juxtaposed with like surly masculinity and like you know, tragic male desire, which is what Drake mm-hmm. is all about. Um, and uh, when when a straight woman who's extremely rich and out of touch and like hasn't eaten like hot sauce, as she likes to say, for like 15 years, when for she does lot. it, I'm like, wow, what a fucking clown. Like you literally, like you look like a drag queen now. But like when Drake does it, it seems like an interesting postmodern collage or something. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting take um i have a other, few other artists i want to ask you about um you've posted about nikki what's the hot take on nikki nikki rules and you know she deliberately avoided the faggot music <laughs> on the vmas when she did her career retrospective she didn't do any of that gay shit it was her doing her you know classic barbie tings pink wig dick ass given whiplash like <laughs> oh my god it felt so true to her it felt idiosyncratic and individual i think she is a real amazonian artist and uh, jack on the perfume nationalist always says this about her she's like a, a true like pauline figure and that's that's correct she has a such character and, and um is doing like these like swampy sex acts in a way that feels like truly like icky and sweaty and like mm-hmm. vaginal uh, when she does it, and I just don't get that from Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when I was in senior year and "Beam Me Up" Scotty mixtape came out, and I was the uh, only person who knew about it. Uh huh. Then Super Bass came out, and then I was like, ah. Oh. I mean, I honestly, I did lose some interest after she went mainstream. But no, I mean, she's had a lot of good content. Well, the funny thing is that after she went mainstream, she went crazy again. And she did um, Roman Reloaded and then Roman Reloaded the Mm re-up. And those albums are bonkers. Like Roman Holiday, Come on a Cone. It's like these like, (laughs) it's like these like gastronomical like body sounds like turned up to 11. And she's like talking about ejaculating on like a fire hydrant and stuff. It's just wild. Yeah. 
Um, I've never like really taken the time to analyze the symbolism of all her stuff, but all I can say is I feel like there's something really interesting about her <clears throat> melding of a certain feminine and masculine energy because I mean mm -hmm. like rapping is I think an inherently very masculine form of performance art but you know this kind of uh body female sexuality the body and you know uh, yeah like she creates an interesting amalgam there um but yeah I also think like the outlandish sexuality the kind of fantastical imagination that she has I don't know I should go back into her catalog and really look more closely but yeah. there's, there's so much depth there I so, recommend uh just going through all of Roman Reloaded just uh, take an afternoon and uh, go for a walk and listen to it and you will be taken to you know the pink the pink world the pink world yeah i get annoyed when people compare her to cardi because i'm like there's Ugh. no there's nothing there there's nothing cardi b is music for straight people to it's like it's like for them to feel their little latinx fantasy when they like want to like get down to like it like that at the club and do a shot of tequila and good for that it's not nikki though yeah no there's nothing there no. um do you have a hot take on mariah I have an ex-boyfriend who love, 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 love Mariah. And uh, whenever we were in his car, there was a Mariah CD in. It could be mm -hmm. July and the Mariah Christmas album would come on and no <laughs> skips for him. Um, I like her as kind of like a glamorous Miss Piggy. Um, mm -hmm. I like her faded stardom. I think she seems kind of amusing. I will say that her music has never really hit off with me, but I like... Um, I am Mariah, the elusive Chanteuse you and like Caution. That? Yeah. You do, really? It's sad. It's like I don't really like sad. either. No, I think they're both really tragic. Like they're um these like she tombstone records. Anymore? She can't sing. Uh she's doing these songs like called Cry. It seems that she's like reconciling with the death of her career while she's like these like photoshopped hot dog limbs. And I find it to be very uncanny and lynchian. So I like them for the shot value. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm, I do wish she hung it up after Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel. That one, I think, is like, she, she was like, oh, her voice was almost shot. She was doing a lot of the whisper kind of, not, yeah, like the, this very breathy vocals. Yeah. And I think she got the breast implants, which look ridiculous, but. Oh, I, think, I love them. Miss Piggy. I, I'm embarrassed for her, but. Do you think, I mean, I think she's LARPing as a drag queen. I think she's uh, pretty close. Oh my, I don't even know. I think she's like gone past that. She's like getting yeah. close to like Amanda Lepore, like honestly, <laughs> like she's like really pushing it. Um, That's why I'm like kind of interested whenever she does something new because I'm like, oh, what is this mess going to do now? But um, yeah, I guess there is like a sort of drag quality to her, but I don't know her she's queenie and she has mm -hmm. like a like superiority but the self-awareness is missing you think so maybe i haven't thought about her that much to be mm -hmm. honest i think i, I, I can never I, listen to her again after listening to her in that fucking car hours and hours at a time like yeah. i will always have to think of my ex-boyfriend so she's off my off the radar mm -hmm. boot <laughs> i think she has a really particular understanding of camp and I think she's conscious of it. Um, did you read her book? I did. 
Yeah. I mean, my, my other, I mean, I have like conspiracy theories about her being like sacrificed by her pet, her mother mm-hmm. to like humans, which I mean, is definitely true. Very Vox Lux. Yeah. Um, I, what I find very interesting is how polarizing she is. Like there are people who hate her. God, yeah, they really do. And people who will die for her. And then there are people who are like, oh yeah, I love Mariah. But you know, they don't but really. I think it's fascinating the two poles because there are people who really hate her. I will say I think Music Box is like kind of experimental and interesting. Really, <laughs> I hate Music Box. What I I it think that's my like favorite. Cracker. Why? I don't know. It feels like jarring and strange yeah. and disquieting and sort of tragic. What is on Music Box? Is Hero on Music Box? I don't remember. Oh God. I mean, I think for me, butterfly is everything. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, my musical proclivities are more towards the soul and the R and B hip hop, and I think okay. that's when she really came out. As yeah, like, that's true. And I, I hate her first album. Yeah, that one's boring. It's horrible. Um, it's so boring. <laughs> it's like the worst that. album ever. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we agree on that one um what about ariana anything to say there i don't know what's going on with her anymore it seems that too many marriages have fried the brain around um, Mm -hmm. my ability to understand her but my goodness was she an interesting sort of like cultural moment i mean she was um a britney who didn't crack like she made it through a very sexualized childhood as a nickelodeon star and came out with albums with a lot of integrity and backbone and solid pop production and um i like that she's a bitch and everyone hates her and no, like everyone can't stand to be around her and i like that her hair is so fried that it has yeah. to be in a ponytail at all times um and i mean break free wow that's a great song <laughs> mm, what do you think about her like um her transracialism or her like her shape-shifting between ethnicities. Whenever people are like, she looks really black, I'm like, does she? Like, I never, I never saw, okay, like, she's, like, getting a tan. She's Italian, isn't she? Yeah. Italian people, they get crispy, crunchy. They fry yeah. like a fish. I just thought she looked like she got a tan. Um, Okay, and so I guess she did those, like, songs on um, Thank You Next mm-hmm. when she was, like, doing, like, yeah like rap oh well you know yeah and i but whatever everyone does that i think it's really interesting the whole i think she is in or if not she her handlers are intentionally doing the whole transracial vibe because yeah she's italian she's ethnic you know naturally she's gonna tan but no she did go for the whole black aesthetic because she did i mean she was always influenced by R&B singers like she that's yeah. I think that's part of her vocal style but then yeah like she did do trap she you know and like there were some photo shoots where they really darkened her skin that she almost looked a little bit like mixed race black and white but then you know she did the um, it was the Japanese aesthetic and thank you next it was it was Japanese. It but wasn't. she never looked Japanese. Yes, she did. They did the um they did the eyeliner when she was on the voice that it looked like, you know, Japanese eyes. That well, was like they said she was Asian fishing. That's fine by me. But yeah. go ahead. 
Asian girls try to look white every day of the week. It's crazy. Like these girls in Japan are like getting all sorts of fancy surgeries on their eyes and you know skin bleaching and all these things. Like yeah. you know, and I think that's fun too. I I like a little bit of transgression to the other race. Like I would never try to make myself look more Japanese because I think my foreignness is a attractive quality here. Um, but it's a kind of I mean it is kind of fun to like. She's like, oh, look, look, I love Japan so much. Like, I, it's so cute. I want to get a little Japanese tattoo and like sing about it. And like, oh my God, I love it. Like, I, I like it. I think it's sweet. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a meta commentary on like the fluidity of, dare I say, global homo, like this, mm-hmm. this global homogenization. Like, we're a monoculture now. Like, there are no roots, there's no distinction between cultures like now we're just like ethnic ethno fluid like anything we're all the same now and i think her shape-shifting is just an affirmation of that that fact i would agree with that if she had been emulating korean women Mm. but Mm. she chose japan which is wildly out of style right now and no one likes it so interesting i didn't know no one likes japan i'm I'm being a little you know (laughs) i'm being hyperbolic of course but Japan is definitely not as relevant culturally as Korea is at the moment. And that says a lot to global homo. But, you know, there's little Ariana with her ponytail. She's going to wear a little ballerina dress. And she studied all her hiragana and can say that she loves um, different kinds of food when she visits here in Japanese. Like, I, 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 I love her. I, I love her being into yeah go for it queen Mm -hmm. yeah like i i love when people accuse her of cultural appropriation because like i don't think cultural appropriation is it it doesn't exist because there are no yeah i mean i don't think they're called like under this kind of global globalist regime that we're starting to go into like there are no cultural distinctions so everything's up for grabs now everything's the same everything's fluid and that's why i think like you know the way that we're treating gender like it's fluid you know you can transition and you can change your pronouns like why can't we change our ethnicity or our race like everything is is like is being uprooted now so everything's up for grabs like it's i don't i don't see a big difference but i don't either yeah and i don't i'm not you know it just is to me like japan specifically makes a commodity of its culture it like turns it you know the whole cool japan initiative was to basically um trans transform the entire like japanese uh, cultural will into an easily consumable object for tourists that they have expertly marketed overseas so you can't you literally cannot appropriate that because they are selling it to you and demanding that you do it and if you're a foreigner in this country and like you try to get off the beaten path and you're just you know traveling here for a few weeks it's pretty damn tough you know it's not easy to really get to the meat of it um so they've done a great sort of um neo like mage like pre-meiji restoration like locking of the walls where you know, real Japanese culture is like sealed deep beneath the surface and the easily chewed on one is uh, packaged delightfully as a Disneyland uh, via Kyoto. So, mm. well, back to Mariah for a second. Why did they <laughs> love Mariah in Japan? Oh, it beats, it literally confounds me. They My ex boyfriend went nuts. He saw her every single time she was in Japan, ever. 
but what is it? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't see what it is. No, it, it really boggles the brain. You know who else they love right now? They love Billie Eilish. Like, Ooh. they love Billie Eilish. Wow. They live. Ooh. I don't, I'm not there for that. Mm. I don't understand. I, <laughs> I have, it's so mysterious to me. I'm like, Mariah? Yeah, yeah I never understood. Because when I, I went to what? One of her concerts. I went in New Year's Eve 2010. Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden. She was drunk. Her dress started to fall off. But the, <laughs> the vast majority of the audience was black couples, like young middle-aged black couples, old gay men, some random white girls, and then Japanese people. Mm-hmm. Very. Have you ever seen the tour footage of her performing here? Yes. I was actually, I bring it up because I was watching an old one last week in Japan and they were going insane. And the air- They don't go crazy at that at concerts like japanese concerts are like very famously like subdued for the most part yes i've heard but the mariah concert footage like these people are like they're having a seizure yeah it's great you know whatever it is that speaks to your heart about it um glad it's there i'll ask my boyfriend about this tonight and see if he has Mm -hmm. any input I also know, so Sony Records, uh, or one of the Sony executives, like their office was in Japan when she Mm -hmm. was big. So I wonder if just Sony's presence had a a role in like promoting. Yeah, because Sony is a Japanese company. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Okay, one more singer. Um, There's a lot to say about Gaga, but can we get like some yeah give me some hot take on her i know there's so many takes but okay interesting you know you have to respect it it's basically like she this answers a lot of questions that have been you know coming up the, the whole episode because she was the first person to pounce on the gay scene because uh she's really come from it when she was uh, performing with lady starlight in new york city like mm-hmm. in the late 2000s like she used to like perform at gay clubs and you know do that kind of thing and um there is a you know mass market to be found there, and she was one of the first people outside of you know faded divas who had no one else to sell to. She was one of the first to really get it, click it together, and make it happen for her. Madonna has always like courted gay affection, but not not in such a you know sort of like sinister and um, cold way. She, I think she really had admiration and love for gay people because they helped bring her up when she was in New York in the 80s. And in the same way, I think Gaga did too, but um, she pounced on it in a much different way and immediately came out the gate as like a, a woman for gay people. And the fact that she exploded in the way she did is a marvel. Um, I think she is fascinating and riveting as a bizarro, freako, cultural accident that actualized on so many like strange neuroses of the American public mind um and even if the music isn't always perfect uh her cultural role is deeply fascinating and she's worth a lot of attention Uh, Chromatica is a nearly perfect album it sets out to do exactly what it wants to do it sounds exactly as it's supposed to sound every second it's doing the you know this house like gay voguing you know through pop culture but it sounds much more convincing because you know she's lived it and she's uh much more like delusional and like not trying to pass herself off as cool on that record Mm -hmm. um but born this way is a masterpiece art pop is fascinating 
the fame is great. The only thing that is objectively unlistenable is Joanne. It's horrid, but everything <laughs> else is worth a little bit of attention, I think. Mm. Um, the only album that I really can take seriously is Art Pop. You can't take any of it seriously, basically. But like, that's Art Pop is nice. like the closest, but that's, like, yeah. Yeah, she, she transcends uh, serious attention. You gotta, you gotta go two layers up before you can. Uh, you had to look at it from above, sign yeah. from above. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The first few albums, I don't know. Like, I think they're interesting, but I just can't take seriously the whole the spiel of like, you know, I'm a freak and I don't fit in, and then and then born this way is like it's just so pandering and. I mean, it's pandering, but that oh. song sounds incredible. And it does. But the production again, on it is nuts. No, it is. It is. It's good music, but again, the whole spiel. Do I you just... not get your life listening to Mary the Night? Do you not like feel your? Oh, oh see. Yeah. Well, maybe you. Maybe this is what divides a drag queen from everyone else. Because I hear Mary the Night, <laughs> and I am right there, putting my green wig on, doing my lipstick. You know, about to. <laughs> rush forward into the void in the name of fame you know like that's what I, I understand so. what you're saying i don't yeah. feel that but like i that's get fine it. yeah i get it i get it yeah but because i mean i feel like i'm approaching her work on a very abstract intellectual mm -hmm. level when i hear that stuff i'm like oh, this is not i don't take you seriously. you're not gonna marry the night no i'm not you're not on the edge of glory <laughs> it's that's not where i'm at but i, I understand <laughs> i appreciate it but i do think our pop is like as social commentary as an intellectual whatever like it's really people should take it seriously my art pop could mean anything yes yeah <laughs> i always love reminding people that aura was burka burka behind mm -hmm. burka I was just looking at pictures of her performing in Burkas yesterday. And I was like, oh, work so fierce. This is amazing. Yeah, that was a time. Um, so Gaga. Okay, so I have a final question. Controversial question. Let's do it. So I, you've posted some things about like morality, amorality. Mm. Um, well, let, me, let me pull this up you said what did you said um where was it no no <laughs> i can't find it but basically something along the lines of like you're not aiming to try to like present something that's moral or like uh, oh, i think i i think i know what this tweet was i might be able to find it myself this is really interesting um yeah it's not Okay, I think I found the tweet. Yes. Is it, quote, I have never been anything less than transparent about my agenda, which is yeah. Foucaultian J-pop art criticism yeah. as a means to manifesting will and converting the world into a sexual orgy swamp to be used for my own personal enjoyment. I have the phrase drag queen in Japan in my Twitter bio, and yet many are still confused as to the fact that I am an amoral creature of perversion yeah. with no interest whatsoever in being pure, godly, or good. Yeah, tell us about that tweet. Very interesting. First, well, how, first you tell me what you think about it. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a theory. Well, first I'll say this. Like, I have a fixation with morality, partially because of, like, 
the way I was brought up, but also because I studied ethics in my like graduate school work. Right. Um, so I think that like, mm, everyone who presents or like, yeah, everyone who presents themselves as moral or righteous, like is ultimately it's performative. And I think at a certain point, to be truly moral, you have to come to terms with the fact that like, we are all immoral. And you know, like, if I'm going to approach it from a kind of religious perspective, like everyone is born into sin, like everyone's fucked up in some way. The only way to and the only way to reach true morality is to acknowledge this fact, everyone who's LARPing as this righteous kind of figure is again, is putting on a show and it's a lie. Mm. So I always find interesting when people are able to say, yes, I am immoral or I am amoral, um, acknowledging publicly, like I am, I don't see myself as this like upright, perfect kind of figure, because that I think is the starting point to discovering true or like living true morality. Right. Well, also, I have to say that, you know, a little bit of it is a joke. I, I do yeah. strive to be a good person in a, in a few yeah. ways and, um, Maybe maybe one or two, but you know, I um to me the most maybe the three most important thinkers um in like my philosophical and like literary experiences uh like Julia Kristeva, mm -hmm. uh, Nietzsche, and uh, Marquis de Sade, right? So interesting. Okay. So maybe I would include Foucault in that as well. Um, but basically, like my. I'm very obsessed with the ecstasies and the joyance of life. I love, you know, passion and extremity and the absolute limits of the human heart. I think it is such an incredible thing that we can observe art and have, you know, linguistic interactions with one another. And those uh, small illusions are powerful enough to physically alter us and bring us to tears and laughter and vomiting and screaming. And I think that is just so wonderful that we have this time on earth to experience things in, in such extremity. And I have from the very start of my show been very committed to, you know, celebrating the gay experience for being one of the last few avenues on this earth for really getting into the meat grinder of it and drag as sort of um, a unholy icon and deification of all of those sort of messy and repulsive desires, I think is just so beautiful. And so I love being like a pagan icon of uh, hedonism and, uh, you know, a sort of a, you know, libertine like will to power where like you are going for whatever you want in life and celebrating its excesses and mm -hmm. um where like the you know Foucault and Kristeva maybe come in a little bit is that like of course I, I recognize that such extremes have consequences and you have to balance your life artistically and, and make um a you know you have to make a craft out of the way you conduct yourself but um all the same uh, i'll be permanently looking for those extremes and no one can ever stop me because that is what i'm set on and i have never yeah. lied about that yeah so everything you're saying is confirming all my theories about drag because so like i i this thing i wrote was published yesterday about drag queen story hour and like my main thesis is that um 
what's happening with Drag Queen Story Hour is again, they're trying to turn this art form, this highly symbolic art form into this kind of neoliberal expressivist kind of thing, which is again, very mm -hmm. flat and boring. When in the reality, drag is highlighting that there is this inner tension, this drama in human nature that has the capacity to lead us towards something very decadent, very pagan, very extravagant, possibly dangerous, possibly destructive. But that same energy can lead you towards this ecstatic kind of sacred, holy, other kind of, again, the, the at the end of the day, it points us to this otherworldly reality, whether it's the subterranean, the heavenly, whatever. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned Chris Deva and the kind of ecstatic thing, because I like I refer people very often to the figure of Teresa of Avila and the mm -hmm. also the famous Bernini statue, because I think she is kind of like the Christianized version of um, not the version, but like she is the Christianized expression of this kind of Dionysian energy that within human nature that again could it could lead someone into again a kind of decadent performance art, but also to this um you know, the kind of otherworldly lifestyle of like the convent and of this kind of ecstatic prayer life, the spiritual realm. Mm. Um, and well, again, when you turn something like drag into this like form of like, oh, you're expressing yourself in diversity, like you're negating the fact that within human nature, there's this tension that leads us to these, either one of these extremes. And also like when people talk about the culture wars, I'm like, yeah, I do think, yeah, as you said, like the kind of decadent pagan ideal can be destructive. It can be dangerous. And we have to be conscious of the ways that it could become whatever that could lead to a dangerous outcome but at the same time like these so-called opposing ideals are not as far apart as we think because they share this yeah. common origin it's fueled by the same energy it's just a question of like that's right is this being cha channeled you yeah joy sans and uh you know abjection are virtually the same <laughs> like is it, basically yeah. like the point of powers of horror and um you know you're mentioning that like subterranean realm and it, it's such a important part of my worldview and my experience with art I'm constantly seeking out any sort of you know media or music or literature that can in its own private and small way like extract the emotional world into the you know realized world and mm -hmm. um between like stuff like James Joyce and like Ulysses and even like Utara Hikaru, like Kate Bush. I, I did an episode just about that, but more widely things like um, Evangelion and Twin Peaks and uh, Palia, like they're all taking this, you know, secret emotional universe and summoning it into our own world. And I think that is such a fascinating uh, sort of alchemy that drag queens are particularly good at. Yeah. Mm. I do want to press you a little more though on like the Please. question of the limits of morality because like I'm I am like I'm interested in like so you're saying like this kind of libertine pagan approach mm -hmm. um for you where are the limits like where do you place the limits of libertinism of decadence at what point does it become something destructive or something I don't know harmful would you say um I try very much not to hurt people around me. Like, uh, you know, I love a lot of people and I, I know that I have people who love me as well. Mm -hmm. And 
any sort of action I could take that could hurt them as well, I think is something I wouldn't want really to do. So, you know, libertinism actually is like, you should in particular kill your friends, steal their money and rape them with a wooden dildo is like the whole point of like Juliet basically. But like, I would never go that far with like libertinism. And um, I'm quite all right with sacrificing my own existence and detonating it in the name of passion, but uh, only if uh, the effect on the people who cared about me was marginal and I never ruined any of their lives. Mm. Yeah, I think I wish people read the sod more because I think he really shows like I think he's the antithesis of this kind of expressivist reading of drag. Like he's showing that there is this um yeah, there is this destructive nature within libertinism. Yeah, and I think yeah. he knows that it's like a negative force. Like yeah. um I, I think he's quite apocalyptic and it's very easy to just to read him and be like, oh, like he was just like jacking off, like while he was writing this, like it just like made him horny to imagine people getting pushed into the volcano. But um, the like sheer force of his novels, like especially like Juliet, which is, is so underread, he, he absolutely knows that what he's doing is by naming the horror, uh, he's making it um, sort of like a, a moral and conscious tool for uh, gauging one's own heart. I think. Mm-hmm. So, okay, but then, like, if the ultimate logic of this kind of libertine path is, I guess, this emphasis on indulgence, and even if we draw certain boundaries that it doesn't Mm -hmm. become violent against others, like, what do you make of the opposite extreme of, like, love to the point of self-abnegation, like this masochism of the self for the sake of the other? Like, what do you see in there? Well, I just talked a little bit about this on... um an episode I did a last week, it was about um, Oshima Nagisa's in the realm of the senses. And we talked mm-hmm. a lot about, you know, being consumed by love. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a, because, you know, masochism isn't actually about a love of another. It's about a deep obsession with the self. Um, mm-hmm. I think like Deleuze like talks about this in coldness and cruelty a lot. It's like the act of the masochist is to actually like really deeply violate someone and reform them into a pristine image of the uh, cruel mother, basically, Mm -hmm. um, or or the cruel, like a paternal figure. And I think that there is a sort of love that might exist somewhere where you can, you know, love something else so much that it, uh, you know, leads to this self-detonation. But I think in in most cases, it's actually the opposite. And and, Mm -hmm people uh, love themselves so much in their own interior experience. So I think it's, if someone could love something so much that their life explodes for it, you know, selfish, self, selflessly, mm-hmm. I would think that's beautiful too, but I think it's very rare. Don't you? Mm. I do think it's rare. I do think it is something worth aspiring to though, because sure. like, I think there's, um, I do think there's a liberation in it. Like, in the same way, there's something we perceive this kind of liberation through indulgence or through the decadent kind of path. I think, yeah, it's less accessible through like self-abnegating charity, but I think it can be liberating in a very particular yeah. way if you so if you're able to approach it. You know, that's why I like North Koreans so much. I love the idea that they everyone say, oh, they're being you know, held at gunpoint to make those videos them crying and screaming. I'm like, I don't think so. I think they just like really love him and they're like really upset 
And I mean, have you ever seen someone get so passionate about anything before? No. Wow. Even if they're just making a little show of it, that's fierce. Like, good for them. They love something in this world. Yeah. So this is a lot of food for thought, Zach. A lot to think about. Um, Very true. Yeah. So, okay. Well, before we wrap up, would you like to plug anything? I mean, we mentioned your podcast. I'm so popular. Uh, what else do we have? Well, um, there's my podcast. You can follow me on, on Twitter, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like grimacing as I say this. It's um, twitter.com slash Asuka Homo, A-S-U-K-A Homo. Um, and then anyone who is in Japan, hello. I'm going to be performing on October 1st at the Casket of Horrors um, performance. So you can find the details on my Instagram, which is just a Langley Chichi. Awesome. Well, Zach, thank you for this uh, illuminating conversation. <laughs> my pleasure. Thanks so much. <laughs>